Welcome to the podcast where I invite you on a journey to explore meaning, vulnerability and purpose through the lens of a life lived in geekdom. I'm David Monteith and I am the Naked Geek. Welcome back to the Boudoir. And today I am drinking a beer from the Shepherd Neem, Britain's oldest brewery. I'm drinking a beer called 1698, which was meant to celebrate the brewery's tercentenary. Was it? That's 300 years, I think. Now, I only picked this up because it's an anagram of my year of birth. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's all about me. <laughs> but secondly, because it was brewed literally round the corner from where my daughter is buried. So I kind of put those two things together and I had to try it. And oh, how lucky was I that this beer was so damn nice. I should say this ale was so damn nice. Now, I've tried a few Shepherd Neems before and they don't really do anything for me. But this one, it smelled so rich and fruity, but the taste only has hints of fruit and it was overlaid with malt and hops, caramel, and had a slight touch of red wine about it. And all of these blended together in a really subtle way. Um... And it was, you know, I, I smelt it and I wasn't really sure how to put into words all that I was experiencing in the smell and the taste. And I looked it up on the website and I was like, the way they described it, it exactly what I was experiencing. So I, I just loved it. Anyway, I'm a proper fan. It's 6.5% and it goes down easy despite having a really solid body and a, a lovely texture. Man, just talking about it. I hope I've still got one in the fridge. <laughs> So today, I want to talk about uh, a fantasy series. So Lord of the Rings, really, for many, many years, was the ultimate in high fantasy literature. And in my mind, it still is in many ways. You know, it kind of set the bar as far as I'm concerned. It inspired so many, and not least among them was author Terry Brooks. So in 1977, his book, The Sword of Shannara, was published and it took the fantasy world by storm. It, it changed the landscape for modern high fantasy and it, it opened up the fantasy market. And I was one of those rabid fans that just lapped up the trilogy. They actually went on to make a TV series about it in 2019, which was actually based on the second book. And I'm here to tell you that you can probably find a better use for your time. Just needed to say that. Anyway, back to the book. I hated the cover. Absolutely couldn't stand it. And I'm not going to go on about that. But I'll just say it was really disappointing for a book I love so much. And I'd go back to that book so much and I loved it. And the cover just was not working for me. Anyway, that's not important. The biggest criticism that Brooks received for his book wasn't me complaining about the cover, but how derivative it was of Lord of the Rings. And you know what? That criticism is not wrong. But you know what else? I couldn't give a flying monkey's doo-doo. Derivative or not, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I particularly loved a certain element of the world building, which might not seem so original now, but back then I was like, oh, hell yeah. And it was this. The book had all the tropes of fantasy, elves, dwarves, all of that. But... It was set in the far future. And I loved that mishmash of settings. So 
The idea was that nuclear war has messed up the planet's geography and wiped out most human life on the Earth. So only traces of technological artefacts have been found and most advanced technology has been lost. But magic has been rediscovered. So during this time, mankind mutated into several distinct races, men, dwarves, gnomes and trolls, all named after creatures from age-old myths. The elves, it turned out, had been there all along but were hiding and now were re-emerging into the open. Now in this world is a group called the Druids and they kind of guided the development of that world and they are betrayed by Brona, who is one of their own, who steals a magical book called the Ildach and starts the first War of the Races. You still with me? Now he gets defeated but turns up 250 years later calling himself the Warlock Lord and using, you know, has mastered the magic of the Ildach and uses it to destroy the Druids and starts the second War of the Races. Now, there's one druid left. The last druid, Bremen, forges a magical talisman in the form of a sword and gives it to the elven king, Jerl Shannara, who succeeds in banishing the warlock lord and defeating his army. All good. We're all good. Now, Sword of Shannara opens five centuries later. And it focuses on two brothers, Shea and Flick Omsford, who run their family in. Now, they are... Uh, now, Shea is adopted... Shea? Shea? Do you know what? I don't know. After all these years, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Shea is adopted and half-elven. And one day, Alanon, who is now the last surviving druid, turns up and tells him that the Warlock Lord is back and he, Shea, is the last remaining descendant of Jerl Shannara and he basically has to go find the sword and save the world. Long story short, off they go, making allies and enemies along the way. And actually, what's really interesting is that the relationships they have and make are so important because they actually resonate through the rest of the Shannara books. And there's a lot of them. I'm not even just talking about the original trilogy. You know, they have impact way down the line. So now you're up to the speed, up to speed, and I can get to the important bit. The power in the sword of Shannara is one that I found unique in fantasy settings, and it's this. Truth. It confronts you with the truth about yourselves and leaves you no room to hide. And if you can't face that, then you're done. The truth revealed to the Warlock Lord showed the paradox of his own existence. He couldn't face it and that was the end of him. But what really showed the strength of Shia is that to wield the sword, you were also subject to its power. He faced himself and came through. Imagine an artifact that exposed all the things you tell yourself that might not be true, that shines a light in all the shadows of our minds where we tell ourselves the little lies, the things we come to believe are true, the little self-delusions that help us cope with life. Imagine there is nowhere to hide from ourselves. Our strengths are illuminated along with our weaknesses and our shames and the walls of our psyche are shown to be paper thin. Imagine looking at that and surviving that. During the course of my 25 years working in the social sector, I've been so close to the inventions that people make of themselves in order to survive their own horrors. I've seen people on TV inspire people, but having worked with them in that social sector setting, I know the lack of conviction they have or how messed up they are by the very thing they're espousing. But, you know, forget the people on the fringes of society. We can pick on them as much as we like. But I've seen the same with people in the mainstream who have it all and yet are still somewhere lost inside. But the most important part here is me. 
The Man in the Mirror, to quote Michael Jackson. There was a frame of mind that had been growing in me, partly from my Christianity and partly because of who my parents were. But it was brought into sharp focus by the Sword of Shannara, and I think it was way back then that I made the decision not to lie to myself. Whoever else I lied to, I wasn't going to lie to myself. Consequently, if you ever think I'm boasting about something, I'm probably not. I'm probably just being real about the positive parts of my character. And likewise, if you listen to me putting myself down, I'm not putting myself down. I just know my weaknesses and I'm acknowledging them. I've engaged in talking therapies more than once and it's a stance which really allows me to progress well, I believe. And my hope is that that knowledge will always drive me to be the best I can be. That when criticism is thrown my way, I can get past my initial defensiveness to decide whether it has merit or not and to apply that. My aim is that if I were called upon to wield the sword of Shannara, that I could. That the truth about me will set me free. Sounds good, don't it? Well, let's just see how that works out. <laughs> Thank you for spending time in the boudoir again and do let me know what geeky things helped you find a philosophy for life. Check the show notes for ways to connect and I have one favour to ask. I do my own transcriptions, which is great for the solo episodes, but it's incredibly time consuming for the interview episodes. And I would love to be able to pay someone to do that or pay a service to do that. So to that end, if you would like to contribute to the ability to put a transcript on the show, and I think it's really important in terms of accessibility for those who are hard of hearing and but would still like to access the show. If you'd like to contribute to that, then check out the links in the show notes for my Kofi account. Um, and everything that anything that you can give will be gratefully accepted thank you and until next time i'm david monteith i'm the naked king